You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. President Trump compares himself to Abraham Lincoln during the presidential debate, on the grounds that they do have similar IQs, if we're talking about an Abraham Lincoln who's just been to the theatre. The same government that nominated Marcus Rashford for an MBE for his work to eradicate child hunger, vote down measures that would help to eradicate child hunger, on the grounds that Boris Johnson thinks all medals have chocolate in them, and he assumed that would be enough to fix the problem. And finally, Deputy Labour leader Angela Rayner is forced to apologise after calling Tory MP Chris Clarkson scum during a debate in the House of Commons. And she's absolutely right to. The Tories might be the party of austerity, who have caused misery and suffering to hundreds of thousands, and who have sacrificed the economy and futures of a generation on the altar of a narrow ideological pursuit in the form of Brexit, who have criminally mismanaged every aspect of their coronavirus response and funneled billions of public funds into incompetent private hands as tens of thousands of Britons died unnecessarily, but Chris Clarkson has only been an MP for a few months. So far, we only know for certain that he's a wretched, bootlicking little prick, and it remains to be seen if he truly is total scum like the rest of them. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to IC News, the only network that actually picks up those bags of dog shit that other broadcasters think is acceptable to tie to the branches of trees. You've already put your hand in the hot turd channel 4, is it so much to ask that you hang on to it for 30 seconds and put it in the appropriate bin? We started this week with an impressive widening of the north-south divide, as the government's acrimonious spat with local leaders in Manchester ended in an abject failure to agree a financial package for supporting businesses as the city transitioned to Tier 3. Having stood fast against a government not doing enough to protect jobs and livelihoods, it all ended a bit depressingly for Mayor of Manchester Andy Burnham. The news cycle was treated to the sight of him sighing his soul out of his arsehole, as the news the city would be forced into Tier 3 restrictions was broken to him by mobile phone. The chaos and confusion has continued to build this week, as at first Boris Johnson in the daily briefing faffed and flapped around several questions about the financial package Manchester would actually receive. Then, later in the week, it was announced London would move into Tier 2, and all of a sudden financial support for businesses was top of the government's agenda – It's been a confusing and aggravating week for anybody in Manchester trying to figure out just how they're going to get through the new local lockdown. Aggravated and confused is the default mental state of our undercover correspondent Danny Sutcliffe, who we go to now for his thoughts on the situation. Danny, as a local, I imagine you've not been too impressed this week. Hiya, pal. Congratulations. You win the award for the understatement of the fucking year. 
What an absolute bloody farce it's been. No wonder we've embarrassed ourselves going up against the EU when the government can't even hammer out an agreement with the mayor of fucking Manchester. Well, we're tier three now, whether we like it or not, and the lowest paid of us are just going to have to eat shit and thank Rishi Sunak for it. To be fair to him, actually, even shit's more than they're willing to offer vulnerable school kids up and down the country. Here's to Tory Britain and all who sink in her. Whoops. Danny, what was that? Never you mind. Are you not reassured by the Chancellor's announcement of further retrospective support for Tier 2 businesses, then? It did seem to address some of the issues Andy Burnham had, with the fact employers in Manchester were already struggling after a prolonged local lockdown. Oh yeah, mate. I'm fucking overjoyed by yet more patchwork, last-minute changes that weren't ever discussed as part of Manchester's Tier 3 negotiations. I'm over the fucking moon that all it took was London moving up a tier for the government to decide that it magically has to put its hand in its pocket after all. There's nothing we love more up here than a London-centric Westminster bubble that treats the North like its policy guinea pig. We love it when the government stitches up our regional leaders as the fall guys for their incompetent posturing. This is like Oasis versus Blur all over again. It's a fucking joke, mate. Well, I'm man gazelle, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Ooh, diamonds. I take it you don't buy the argument that this tussle between Westminster and Manchester was the result of Burnham's pride and ego, then? Find me a politician without an ego, Sam, and I'll show you Bezzy's PhD in particle physics. Burnham's not perfect by any fucking stretch. Any homeless person in Manchester can tell you that. But he was bang fucking right on this, and he wasn't just doing it for the city. If things keep going so well in an ankart the way they are, every densely populated urban area in the country is going to be in Tier 3. That's millions of the lowest paid workers trying to get by on a miserly fraction of their wages. And these people aren't benefits groungers or irresponsible parents or any of the other fucking caricatures that Tories rely on to justify their cruelty. They're people who have worked their asses off for years, who have had their jobs taken away through no fault of their own, all for the sake of local lockdowns and nonsensical curfews that aren't even working the way they should. It's not called the minimum wage because it's the minimum you need to live in a gold palace full of cocaine and Wedgwood fucking pottery. It's the minimum that a full-time fucking worker needs to earn in order to pay their bills and keep food on the table. But when cases and hospitalisations and deaths are all rising, Danny, surely the government has to do something. You're right, it does. It has to make a fucking decision, rather than scraping the entire country's face along the ground by trying to ride two horses at the same time. It either treats this crisis like a wartime scenario and borrows appropriately so that it has enough money to pay people what they need to survive lockdown, or it admits that the economic risks outweigh the benefits and lets people go back to work. You can't fucking do both. You can't save money and put these restrictions on people. It does nothing. We end up paying through the arse for a lockdown that doesn't work. Where's the financial value in that? Where's the conservatism? It's fucking madness. If they don't want to lock down the country, we've got to be able to test and trace properly. That should have been their priority for months now, and they're still nowhere near sorted it. How can the economy hope to recover after all this if millions of viable employees are left in rent and payment arrears and have nothing to spend at the end of it? How can the Treasury start clawing back income tax when thousands of jobs in hospitality have vanished? How can it start earning back VAT on drinks and meals sold in pubs that have shut forever? 
It's insane. But that's this government in a nutshell, isn't it? Meals for vulnerable kids or five extra million for Manchester or anywhere else that desperately needs it is an expense too far. But 12 billion fucking billion of our money for a centralised test and trace system that doesn't work is good value. Well, you know what? Fuck them. We'll get it back somehow, which is why I've come here. Come here, you bastard. I see. I take it you've got the key to the dimensional gate this week, then. Which parallel earth are you currently ransacking? I haven't got the key for anything, mate. I'm in Rishi Sunak's house and I've got half a house brick. Ooh, hello, you. You've got to be worth something. Oh, bollocks. That's not good. For Christ's sake, Danny, I'm not sure that burgling the Chancellor's house is the best way to make the case for Manchester in the face of government injustice. I know, mate. But I'm very much an individual, and in my professional capacity on this particular issue, I'm not representative of the city as a whole. That's how they want to paint Burnham, so I'm having it too. Now, if you don't mind, I should probably fuck off before I get nicked. I've got to get this shit to the pawn shop. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, reporting for IC News. Scatter! From one venomous spat between political leaders to another, this week saw the final debate between President Trump and his challenger Joe Biden. It was a distinctly more civilised affair than the first debate, in much the same way that a street fight between hobos can be called more civilised when compared to a gang of starving raccoons fighting in a wheelie bin. The two candidates traded barbs and personal attacks with each other, with the president continually looking to raise the spectre of corruption by pointing the finger at Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and his business dealings in Ukraine. While an accusation of corruption from Donald Trump holds about as much water as the bladder of a Russian prostitute he's paid for, it's worth looking at how the Hunter-Biden story has developed over the last week. The source of the continued allegations against Hunter Biden is Trump confidant and former mayor of New York Rudy Giuliani, who himself became national news this week. He appeared in the new Borat movie, apparently touching himself in the presence of the character's daughter in expectation of a sexual encounter. If the president's long-time ally can be so easily tricked into a honey trap by a comic actor, it raises serious questions about just how compromised he would be if faced with a determined state one instead. America's national security concerns aside, which nearly all of them are when it comes to Trump and Russia, it was Giuliani who this week claimed to be in possession of yet more incriminating information about Hunter Biden. There's been rampant speculation about the credibility of the story, with many intelligence officials suggesting that it feels like yet more Russian disinformation designed to influence the US election. Here to rebuke that allegation is our Russian correspondent, Alexander Notterbot. Hello, listener people and Western friends. My name is Alexander Notobot. I am well-respected Russian journalist and categorically not undercover agent of state. If you don't believe me, I'm afraid for now it is tough lucks for you. My credentials are currently on laptop that is in repair shop. If you want to dig into my past, you will need legally blind shop owner to hand it to a demented old gremlin man, so that he can allude to its contents without ever actually releasing the most controversial information he claims it holds. <laughs> I make funny joke. We Russians are famous for our sense of humour. 
Why are you hearing from me again so soon, I hear you ask? It's a good question. You in the West are very obsessed with how Russia operates. You want to hear about us all the times. Maybe you like us, yes? Maybe you want to pick Russia up from prom in big muscle car before driving to McDonald's to buy us American fries and touch breast on back of seat. Well, we say net, cheeky America. We slap your hand away, for Russia is not that kind of girl. I am here for a very simple reason. Once again, good name of glorious motherland is being dragged through mud by American press. Honestly, it's getting kind of ridiculous. But this time, I must make complaint in strongest possible terms. By dragging Russia's name into this Hunter Biden story, you make us look... What is word? Like steaming incompetent pile of bullhickey. Well, enough is enough. For some time now, allies of Orange President Hamburger Man have been looking for the dirt in order to discredit campaign of political opponent, crumbly old Democrat Joe Biden. Attacking political opponent through weak links in family chain is nothing new. <laughs> in fact, threatening to smash kneecaps of favorite son is often best way to get banker to agree to laundering money of oligarch. Uh, uh, in entirely hypothetical situation, of course. I would never do such a thing. I am journalist. For a long time now, Hunter Biden has been target of Trump associates, who have been looking to make claim that his business dealings in soon-to-be Russia, sorry, Ukraine, Freud and slip there, leave his father exposed to exploitation by foreign interest. It's true. Energy company Barisma employ Hunter Biden for obvious political purposes and to boost own international credibility. Hunter Biden himself now says his involvement was mistake. But this has not stopped frantic digging by investigative journalist. Just kidding. Rudy Giuliani is not journalist. Rudy Giuliani is, how you say, completely unhinged, like shithouse door that has been ripped off by crazy tornado. President Trump has called for lots of arrests and investigations, but so far no charges have been brought and no definitive criminal conduct uncovered. This is even with Senate investigations and support of Attorney General Bill Barr, who fits up inside Donald Trump asshole like butt-plug-shaped Russian doll. It was starting to look like Barisma was not best route to take down Joe Biden until a couple of weeks ago. Now, Rudy Giuliani, through Steve Bannon and also Alex Jones of Infowars, are pushing story that laptop of Hunter Biden has been recovered from repair shop and contains all kinds of damaging materials. This is planned October surprise. Big kink in rail of Biden campaign, aiming to send Democrat train crashing off tracks. But our story, it is fishier than bollocks of troller man. Origin of this material is unproven and unverified, to the point that reporters would not put own name to it and Fox News did not feel it met editorial standards. <laughs> now I am just humble Russian journalist, but even I know Fox News editorial standards are not exactly high. The reason I am here to defend Russian honor is that laptop story is damaging to credibility of our intelligence services. America cannot have it both ways. Russia cannot be enormous, scary, cyber-warfare genius and also at the same time be behind most obvious and embarrassing attempt at political hatchet job in modern memory. Did you hear the names I mentioned earlier? Rudy Giuliani, Steve Bannon and Alex Jones. 
Christ of the Almighty. I could find three more credible sources down back of sofa. And as for whisperings and shady rumours that laptop contains underage pornography, despite very same Trump-supporting owner of repair shops saying he found no such thing, yuck, it is embarrassing and obvious escalation of mudslinging. Meeting with Joe Biden falls flat and does not stick, and all of a sudden there is also some QAnon bullshit. This is disinformation amateur hour. Russian state is so much better at it than this. And yes, yes, we all know Rudy Giuliani has been working with man who is known to be a Russian state agent. But honestly, this is just us fucking around. He's quite funny what you can make him believe. <laughs> we have him convinced that asshole of every cat is actually tiny pinhole camera. And now he is very careful to not start tugging on own pee-pee in front of ladies whenever one is in the room. Look, it's true that awkward history of Hunter Biden makes him not exactly credible character. Da, he is obvious route to attack Joe Biden. But here in Russia, we want no part of this bullshit. If America wants to set fire to own Reichstag in order to start Trump dictatorship, maybe nosy Parker query people should stop pointing finger at Russia and look closer to home instead. Between Russia and Trump, there is only one administration who are the clumsy amateurs when it comes to manufacturing damaging propaganda. We're not meddling in this story. Why would we? It would be much better for Russia to wait until results of election get contested and then crank up heat on giant American civil war. <laughs> but we'd never do that either. Honest. And my fingers are definitely not crossed. Russian promise. We have saying in Russia, state-approved truth will always come out in the end. Between Biden and Trump is now only a matter of time before someone's kids get arrested. Personally, I'm just here for the popcorn and the show. I am Alexander Notabot, reporting for IC News. Now, negotiations with Manchester aren't the only ones that the government have struggled with over the last week or so. Boris Johnson's latest self-imposed deadline for achieving a trade deal with the EU came and went on the 15th, and late this week Michel Barnier arrived in London to begin an intensified phase of new negotiations. Intense is what we need right now, as you can currently screw your face up against a magnifying glass all you like, and it's still going to be difficult to find a single tangible benefit in the small print of a no-deal Brexit. This was made even clearer this week by the facial expressions of former Prime Minister Theresa May. Faced with the nonsensical jingoism of Michael Gove in the House of Commons, she reacted like a woman who just sat on a pickled lemon with no underwear on. As all hope of a trade deal with the European Union hangs by a thread, we really ought to step back and take stock of the situation. With the latest on Brexit, we now go to our trade correspondent, Che Burnley. Oh God, here we go. To be honest, Sam, I'm surprised it's taking you this long. It's the 24th of Black History Month. It took you over three weeks to remember I even exist. And now you're throwing to me once again to talk about issues of race rather than my field of expertise. You are ridiculous, Sam. Ridiculous. I've not asked you here to talk about any of that, Che. Did you even hear my introduction? I want to talk about the collapse of the trade negotiations with the EU. Oh. Hang on. Who have you had on to talk about Black History Month then? Well, I haven't really covered it, to be honest. <sighs> Are you having a fucking laugh? I don't know if you've noticed, Che, but there's been quite a lot of news recently. 
What with the US election, the president getting COVID, the second wave, Brexit, and all the rest. Well, now I see your point, Sam. Clearly none of those stories are having any impact whatsoever on people of colour, so why even mention them? Well, that's definitely not what I said. Look, if you want to talk about this instead, then we can do. Your voice is your own, to wield as you wish, and here at the network, we are more than pleased to have you here as part of our... What's that noise? Oh, sorry, I must have been wringing my hands. (laughs) Didn't even realise I was doing it. Look, it's just that in the past, you haven't exactly been keen to cover this sort of thing. In fact, you've been decidedly annoyed when I've assigned you stories like this. What was it you called me in that staff meeting the other week? A tokenistic little home counties wanker? Don't you try and lecture me on my own history, you revisionist dick. I think I know which stories I want to cover. Fine. You know what? The floor is yours. I'm guessing you want to talk about what Kemi Badenoch said in the Commons this week during the debate on Black History Month. Too fucking right I do. Kemi Badenoch, of course, being the Women and Equalities Minister, and what she said was that the government didn't want children in the UK being taught about white privilege and their inherited racial guilt. That's right, she did. Kemi herself, of course, being a black woman who, quite understandably, doesn't want to be defined by her race. None of us do, really. It's a given. Okay, so what's your issue with what she said, then? Well, for a start, if people aren't supposed to be defined by oppression, then there's no need for a women's inequalities minister in the first place, is there? So... She should resign. Yeah, take your point. And it's clearly fucking ridiculous for a government minister to stand up at the dispatch box and make the argument that race just doesn't matter when teaching British history when it clearly does. And she's the fucking avatar of that argument. Do you think it's a coincidence that the Tories have chosen her, a black woman, as their spokeswoman to stand up in the Commons and dis anti-racist ideology? How do you think it would look coming from some brain ex Bullingdon white boy? I understand what you're saying, but that suggestion does somewhat strip Miss Badenoch of her autonomy. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've no doubt that she believes what she's saying at all. Every word of it. She's a Thatcherite through and through, brown on the outside and blue on the inside. She's not a bounty, she's a... Yeah, I can't think of anything that's blue on the inside either. Maybe a Smurf's dick? They're not brown on the outside, though, are they? How do you fucking know? It, it, It doesn't matter. The point I'm making is that disregarding race in British history entirely is a politicised stance in and of itself. If you completely fail to acknowledge how our great empire was built on plundered wealth and forced labour, excuse the narrative we're teaching kids, which is the very argument she thinks she's making against Black Lives Matter. Race and British history are completely intertwined, and teaching the truth of that is not about victimhood and white guilt. If you quite literally whitewash the contributions of black and ethnic minority culture out of the way, you retell the history of the UK, you force British children of colour to the sidelines of their own identity. And if Kemi's best argument against everything Black Lives Matter stand for is that one thick-as-shit white boy protester called a black police officer a pet nigger, then she's deliberately misrepresenting an entire movement. What the fuck is wrong with you? Nothing. I've just never been so uncomfortable. Good. You should be. Because that fucking idiot wasn't speaking for white people any more than he was speaking for me and mine. But that doesn't change the fact that the real target of this deliberate escalation of the culture war by a government minister wasn't Black Lives Matter in the first place. Kemi Badenoch and the entire Tory mindset don't hate the protest movement. They hate the idea that kids might learn in school that capitalism and a completely unfettered free market rely on entrenched inequalities as part of their very structure that they don't function without them. The nature of our society and the history of slavery that built it 
means that those entrenched inequalities continue to disproportionately affect people of colour, even to this day. That's what they really don't want kids to learn at school, that some of them will never be anything more but meat for the grinder. Black Lives Matter just happen to think that it's a touch unfair that a disproportionate amount of that meat is dark. That's not exactly the lightest history lesson, is it? No, it's not. And that's exactly the point. I'm Jay Burnley, and I'll keep re-educating you fuckers until the day I die, no matter what the Tories say. Reporting for IC News. What, Gary? What are you looking at me like that for? I didn't say it, he said it. Oh God, we're going to get complaints, aren't we? This is like Britain's got talent all over again. Right, we better end it there. We haven't done Brexit. Again. But fuck it, everyone's probably as sick of it as I am. That awkwardness brings us to the end of our broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez joins Twitch to play Among Us and encourage young people to vote. She's got the experience, I guess. She spent the last few years trying to convince half of America that Brown isn't secretly planning to kill them all. Boris Johnson refers to Deputy Medical Officer Jonathan Van Tam as JVT in the National Covid Briefing. It's a new system of codename the government will be using moving forwards. According to a source on the Tory backbenches, the Prime Minister's own nickname is CUNT. Support for Scottish independence hits an all-time high of 59% as the north of England starts wondering if it's too late to join the Jacobite Rising of 1745. And finally, Pope Francis reaches out to the LGBT community and endorses same-sex civil unions, saying that gay people have the right to a family. Because if there's one organisation with the moral superiority to lecture anyone on the safest environment for children, it's the Catholic Church. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.